Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I think David Bray's book is an important addition and a very inconvenient addition for those who want to carry on the pretense that Taffy Holmes and Daniel Morgan didn't know one another. That was Laurie Flynn, co-author of the landmark book on police corruption, Untouchables, and we're back for an important update in the Morgan family's three-decade-long struggle for justice. Now, those of you who've heard series one and two of the Daniel Morgan murder know that one of the biggest mysteries and a subject we've tried to tackle several times, is the possible connection between the murder of Daniel in March 1987 and the suicide of DC Allen Holmes, Taffy Holmes, four months later. Both violent deaths of two Welshmen a few miles apart had been attended by rumors of gangland connections and police corruption. But why is this important? Because Derek Haslam alleges that both Daniel and Taffy were working on a huge story of police corruption involving senior officers and a multi-million pound cocaine importation in the months before they both died. The scale of that alleged corruption blows out of the water. Other motivations such as the Belmont robbery, rivalry over women, or some Maltese hit. It also makes the scale of the cover-up after Daniel's murder much more explicable. Over 30 years on, we have a crucial new bit of evidence. I talked to Alistair and Laurie about it a short while ago. Untold. The Daniel Morgan murder. So we're back with the Daniel Morgan podcast almost a year since the last update with some pretty interesting and extraordinary news. Maybe Alistair, first you can describe this to us. We have a new witness coming forward. Yeah, David Bray. Explain who David Bray was. Now, David Bray was my brother's sidekick, essentially. He was somebody that Daniel worked with very closely on a day-to-day basis. He was the person in Southern Investigations who probably knew Daniel best, and most uh, privately, in a sense, about Daniel and his private life, what he thought, you know, what he was like as a man. And he's written a book... Inside in Southern Investigations, which he details about five or six years he knew him. 
And it's a very accurate portrait of Daniel, as far as you're concerned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were there were things in the book which, you know, about Daniel's work that I had, you know, I knew only vaguely, and David goes into it in detail. And portrayal of my brother is spot on. You know, I thought that's Daniel. I know, you know, because I know him myself, and I thought that is Daniel to a T. So it's an accurate book. Uh, it yeah. also contains a lot of information from the inquest. But it has one stunning revelation, yeah. which I think took all of us by surprise. Yeah, the, the most interesting thing about the whole book is David describing Daniel's relationship with Alan Holmes. Alan Holmes, also known as Taffy Holmes. Taffy Holmes. A detective who, constable sort of involved in the Brinks Matt investigation of yeah. serious crimes. Yeah. And who later was found dead suicide, murder, you know, this is still a hot question. And this was within a few months. Daniel's murder in March, I think Taffy... Died in or end of July. End of July. So within a few months. Now, for the, I think we've had whole episodes of the podcast about this. Yeah. Also, by the way, joined by Laurie, who wrote about the connection in his book, which he wrote with Mike Gillard, The Untouchables, was that there were allegations, actually, they knew each other. They were thick as thieves, according to one witness in the news of the world, Jonathan Rees. And we've had whole episodes. Did Daniel and Taffy know each other? Were these two violent deaths in 1987 connected? And the other major witness to this is Derek Haslam. Yeah. Now, I first met Derek in 1987. And at that time, I was I didn't know who he was. And over the years, I've spoken to Derek numerous, numerous times and latterly got to know him much better. And he gave an account of a meeting with Alan Holmes in which, he, in which Holmes told him that he and Daniel were dealing with a story uh, which they were selling to the news of the world. Or I think in, in Derek's original version, just the newspapers, he didn't know which particular yeah, yeah, version yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, initially, yes. But unfortunately we have just one witness for the last, you know, you for 30 years, doing this podcast for over two years yeah. we've really only had Derek's word to rely on and his recollections which is a little bit tenuous well I not mean not his evidence no, just one person is not enough is it really no it isn't it isn't I mean you know I've been I've been skeptical about this connection but over the years when I've spoken to Derek I've never ever felt that this man is lying to me or dissembling or making anything up you know He's always come across to me as a straightforward bloke that's just saying what he remembers. But obviously, if there's only one witness, it's easy, especially if that sure. person then goes undercover and sure. has to lie to a certain extent as part of his yeah. legend, it's very easy to discredit them. But what does Bray say? David Bray recounts in his book that Daniel first told him in about 1985 that he knew Alan Holmes, who was on the Brinksmad investigation at the time. And Daniel was quite excited about this, apparently, according to David, because Alan Holmes was a superb source of information. This is how Dan or you know, this is what Daniel obviously thought. And Reese had a lot of coppers, but Daniel mm. didn't have many. Daniel Daniel had very little to do with the police. And having this contact, he found that this was very exciting for him. And uh, Anyway, as the story develops, David becomes anxious. He describes how an he became anxious about Daniel's determination that he was going to get this story out in the media, get a story out into the media, 
which was obviously linked with his association with Alan Holmes. Yes, the story is, I think uh, David overheard it once, finally pressing Daniel, says, you don't want to know. And after a meeting with Taffy in February, I think it is, 1987, says, I'm not going to tell you. He does tell David it was something to do with drugs and police officers, a drug importation. Yeah, I think David found it very difficult because he was so close to Daniel that Daniel w- wouldn't give him the information, you know, that he was, that, that what he was dealing with, with Alan Holmes. And I imagine that Daniel thought, this is so damn sensitive that I cannot tell anyone. Well, there's an amount of money. Which... he certainly didn't tell me, yeah. you know. And so he thought it was dangerous information to have. There's a mention of between originally £250,000 for the story, so a big story, according to Bray, which fits in with our other evidence, and down to 40000 And this is all in the week's leading up to the murder, around about the time he... Because David Bray goes to Malta with Daniel, doesn't he? Yeah. And there's a break-in at the office. And a break-in in Daniel's house. And David obviously thinks that this could be linked to what Daniel is doing, you know, with the story ab- about police corruption. So there's an extraordinary bit of evidence that does suggest that... Forget the Belmont auction. Forget Malta, really. To say yeah, yeah. That the thing which is on... Daniel's mind, which was the most urgent and pressing, wasn't police corruption over a heist and sort of private security, but a big story, an expense, a story worth a lot of money potentially about police corruption and, and drugs, drugs. drugs, which is exactly what Derek said. Taffy told him completely separately three or four weeks mm-hmm. before the murder at uh, Curry House in Thornton Heath. Okay, let's just part that there and let's turn to Laurie because you. I mean, a lot of people did not realise the connection between those two violent deaths until you and Michael published Untouchables. What was it made you connect them, right? Way back then, before you didn't talk to David Bray, why did you think they were connected? Well, first of all, we met Derek Haslam, and Derek Haslam said they knew one another. I also met uh, Thelma Wagstaff, and when I explained what a gone on. She did not uh, contradict any of this. Thelma, by the way, did the investigation into the suicide, alleged suicide of Taffy Holmes, didn't she? She did indeed, yeah. She was the first woman commander in the Met, I understand. She was not a Mason. She had been appointed to the position of handler of and charge of all Met intelligence, all their informants, precisely because she wasn't a Mason. And this was all in the wake of this appalling crime called the Brinksmat robbery, which leads also directly to the murder of this poor police officer, John Fordham, in Kenny Noyes' garden or property. Two of those people had been, that we've just named, had been informants of Commander Raymond Adams. Commander Raymond Adams, according to Thelma Wagstaff, had been sidelined, replaced in the paramountcy of the Met by herself, and then she was removed. So what you've got is a seething mass of competing cliques inside the Met, and an attempt in the wake of the Brinksmat fiascos to uh, put somebody of irreproachable integrity in, in this highly sensitive position. So of course we trolled around, and we had absolutely no reason to disbelieve what we were being told, that there was a fundamental, deep-seated, horrendous corruption problem in the Met. And what was a suspicion in 2000 became a, a very hardened reality by the time we finished writing the book, The Untouchables. And that suspicion has now grown into a mountain of evidence of horrific corruption in the Metropolitan Police, particularly in the very area 
where these murders took place. Uh, we soon found evidence that the Association of Chief Police Officers was worried about these kind of murders. They felt that they were murders which were being conducted in order to silence people who knew too much about how high up the Metropolitan Police or some elements of the Metropolitan Police hierarchy who were involved in profiting from crimes, covering up crimes, and indeed organizing, uh, it would seem, drugs importation. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. So let's follow through just the implications there. So now three witnesses. I mean, obviously one of them's Reese. Daniel Tappy was thick as thieves. They are selling a story of police corruption to the press. And another witness who says, well, it's News of the World. News of the World have that kind of money. What does this change in terms of your picture of what happened in March? Wow. What's your best reading of what happened now? I mean, one can only speculate in this position. I don't have evidence, but... The idea that Daniel may have gone to the news of the world and then been murdered is very, very uncomfortable. Well, it's uncomfortable if, if Madigan is correct. The other thing that points to me is that, um, that this break-ins documents. You know, I've got this obsession with documents that there were break-ins at that time that David Bray says, you know, that Daniel was very, very worried about this. But let's roll it forward beyond recent fillery. What does it mean? then that Taffy Holmes commits suicide in this slightly odd way where the gun is by his side there are no fingerprints in it and he shoots himself in his chest and as an alcoholic he hasn't been drinking. What does that mean? Just so we know, Derek, Derek Haslam had reported 
uh, allegations of, of corruption, multiple allegations around several officers, including Raymond Adams, who was Taffy Holmes' friend. Taffy Holmes gets caught in the middle as an intermediary and, and sort of caught by CIB3, the Internal Investigation Squad, and says, in a suicide note, I've been sort of caught up by that Serpico Haslam. Mm. That's odd word. Serpico was a good cop, mm. exposing corrupt cops. I mean, we can only speculate, but how does that relate to Daniel? Is it just the fact that Daniel gets murdered around the times exposing police corruption and then Taffy Holmes gets caught in a police corruption story and doesn't survive? One thing, since David Bray's book, one thing rings loud alarm bells in my head, and that is on the day after the murder when I was in London and where I'd kind of cornered Jonathan Rees into a meeting to talk to me in a pub, David Bray came into the pub. He'd seen Rees's car outside, and David walked into the pub, and I was sitting there with Rees and Iris... Daniel's wife's brother-in-law, Joe Harty. And David came into the pub and immediately saw us sitting by the window. I remember we were sitting by a window. And he came over and Rhys turned to him and said, this is a private conversation. And I was stunned by his rudeness. You know, we were all bereaved, if you like, there, including David. And he'd come along and wanted to sit with us. And he was in shock. You could see it from his face, you know, as I was. And Reese was so rude to him. And in fact, I remember David went over to the bar and sat maybe about five or six metres away from us, looking quite crestfallen by the way Reese had treated him. Now, Reese was talking to me, so I didn't want to make a... I was... Pumping him Pumping him, yeah. pumping him for information. You were suspicious by that. So... There was that. And then the next day, when I went to the uh, incident room and had an interview with Sid Fillory, after the other officer who was with Fillory in the interview had left, Fillory asked me, what do you know about David Bray? Hmm. Now, at that point, so Reese had wanted to keep him away from me, right? And then the next day, Fillory's asking me, what do you know about David Bray? Now, at that time, I thought he was suggesting that David was a suspect and I ridiculed the idea I said it's absurd but in the light of what I know now the fact that Reese was trying to keep him mm. away from me I'm and Fillory was pumping me yeah. pump no I think um, he was pump, in fact pumping me for uh, information right. what do you know about he wasn't suggesting it looked like that to me yeah. but what he was trying to find out I believe was has David Bray been talking to you and indeed the following day, when there was an attempt to get me out of London, I now suspect that it was possible that they wanted to keep David Bray, me away ah, from David Bray. That's where you were getting too close. That's yeah, too close. yeah, yeah. You might find out the truth. I, I'd already told them about Belmont. Yeah, I'd already sp- Yeah, so, so that they was weren't a, actually worried no, about Belmont. No, I'd have, I'd have told... But you if they told you that, that hey, hey, Alistair, uh, Danny was selling a story of police corruption working with this guy, Taffy Holmes... You'd have been on that like oh, a shot. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ah, so that explains the... That's and, what I... I mean, but that's what it looks like to it me makes now. As much it's sense. changed the whole yeah. way I look at those events now, 30 years later. And it's interesting, we just ought to explain to our listeners that um, it's not like you last saw David Bray in 1987. Yeah, yeah. So this has not... His evidence, his book, has not been contaminated by lots of discussions with you. You've basically yeah. not had any contact for 30 years, and then this comes out. 
I think it's significant. I mean, what do you think, Laurie? I think David Bray's book is an important addition and a very inconvenient addition for those who want to carry on the pretense that Taffy Holmes and Daniel Morgan didn't know one another. I think it's yet further evidence that they did know one another, that Daniel was discussing going to the media with a worrying, terrifying, sensational story about police corruption. I think Daniel had stumbled on to one of the edges of what I can only describe as a swamp of corruption in, in South and South East London, and it's no accident that uh, that swamp had remained un- undrained for many years. Let's remember that Operation Countryman had only recently been closed down, and in that operation, according to the wonderful world in action made in 1981, which was highly unpopular with the Yard. There were three commanders, nine detective superintendents, 15 detective inspectors who were suspected of serious corruption. When that operation was closed down, it's very interesting, there was a newspaper report which says they now believe that the network of corrupt detectives known as the firm within a firm still exists and flourishes and resists all efforts to expose it. They believe it involves hundreds of officers and extends to the senior reaches of the London police hierarchy. So I think this is the context of a massive attempt to cover up the real extent of corruption in the Metropolitan Police, an attempt to refuse to drain the swamp, and this is what leads to the appalling murder of Daniel Morgan, who was trying to expose some of this not that many years after the closure of of Operation Countryman. Uh, the records of which, by the way, have been sealed for uh, 70 years, I think. We, we can't examine these. So I think what you're dealing with here is Bray is a very, very important marker, a biomarker of what was really going on. But he's not the only uh, witness. There are literally dozens of people who could have been interviewed by the Met. Dougie Campbell, I believe, was probably told not to go down the road of what was happening in the media at the time. I believe that's still an agenda uh, of the Met hierarchy. But just going back to slightly more detail on the David Bray, one of the sort of various red herrings planted in 1987, the three main ones to do with fairs, several mm-hmm. candidates there, to do with Malta, and that was placed in there. And also that David Bray, there was some drug deal going down with your brother, you know, that he was buying drugs, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the endless... But this makes much more sense. Also, just the scale of it, doesn't it? The scale of the cover-up. It can't be the court case over £10,000 with Belmont. But if it's involving senior officers, Derek's account of what Taffy, Taffy Holmes said. said was that there were three, senior, three officers senior officers and two customs officials. And it was up to £100 million cocaine importation. That makes all this credible as a motive to shut Daniel up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Much more than anything else. Absolutely. And, and would explain the various levels of cover-up and police, inf- you know, police involvement. And if you, ima- if you think as well about the political climate at the time, which I think one has to consider, mm. this is 87, the whopping dispute had only just finished, yep. in which the police, the miners' strike was only a few couple of years before that, and the police were being used in a very, very heavy-handed way to deal with discontent over uh, Thatcher's policies and this that's kind one, of thing. It's one of the so, allegations. So um, yeah, yeah. a story like yeah. this yes. Right, yes. Yes. Would have just been so 
unacceptable politically, if you like. And one of the allegations about Hillsborough is because it was South Yorkshire police who policed Orgreave, that they were kind of let off the hook over their mismanagement of the Hillsborough Stadium disaster as a kind of political favour for what they'd done during the miners' strike. Yeah, it's quite possible. Uh, and also, one has to think, too, about Rupert Murdoch's relationship with Margaret Thatcher. And she, he'd been allowed to buy the Sunday Times for under rather, or very, very, um, how should we say, questionable circumstances. Yeah. You know, there was this same awful symbiosis with government and and the Murdoch Empire that still exists today. You know, it's still here 30 years later. During the Levis inquiry, um, Rupert Murdoch said, and I won't try my awful Australian accent, but words to the effect, I've never asked a Prime Minister for any help. <laughs> but Andrew Neil, former editor of the Sunday Times, stepped forward to say, I was around, he did. He asked Margaret Thatcher for help with policing the whopping dispute. And there were like 10,000 demonstrators, 3,000 police. It was a huge police operation. If suddenly Taffy Holmes rears again, connect with Daniel, and there's a connection, we're back where the detectives were, three of them, in the summer of 1987, weren't they? Because there was Kinley Davis, Mickey Croft, and another one, I forget, who all three of them for that summer investigated the connections between... Taffy's. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think we've documented it in the book. Yeah. And all their actions did, for did. two or three weeks. And then they go away then holiday and they're taken off the case. Doesn't yeah, that? Well, it does raise an eyebrow, doesn't it? <laughs> that even back so then, English. people yeah. people knew. Have they interviewed? Has the panel interviewed any of those three detectives? Uh, I couldn't say. Whatever's happened in the past, right? David Bray has shown up and he can't be ignored. And we certainly won't ignore him. And I think that uh, I'm very, very hopeful that the panel will now look very closely at this, at the implications of what this means, and help us to get to the bottom of it. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon, next year, when the Daniel Morgan Independent Panel reports. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we promised to deliver you a series of Untold, the Cambridge Analytica story. But as you will know from following the news, that story is far from over. The Mueller investigations into Russian interference in the US elections are nowhere near completion. In the UK, there are still multiple inquiries into data misuse and electoral law-breaking and Russian interference during the EU referendum. So, as US midterm elections loom this November, and Britain faces the cliff edge of a no-deal Brexit next March, myself and observer journalist Carol Cadwallader and a host of other relevant interviewees will provide regular updates, breaking news, and analysis of everything to do with Trump, Russia, and Brexit to make sense of these tumultuous times. Trump-Russia Brexit, Untold's bi-weekly podcast, coming soon.